Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This is not therapy, this is real life. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh Cedar, and today we are going to talk about how to ruin your mood, which might sound a little bit surprising because as you think about therapy and a therapist's job, usually our job is to tell people how to fix their mood, how to regulate their mood. Well, we are going to talk about that today because we're going to look at what makes it hard to regulate your emotions. And I'm going to walk you through a little self-care checklist of things that can usually get in the way of your practice. And these are the things that will wreck your mood if you ignore them. And what we're pulling from today is we look at what are the most likely factors to get in the way of a good mood. What we're doing is we're drawing from all the research-backed findings that we have from dialectical behavior therapy. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that I pull from dialectical behavior therapy quite a bit because it's one of the most effective tool sets that we have for regulating your emotions. And when we say mood regulation, we're talking about um, unchecked anxiety or uh, getting out of a depressive episode or anger management or really any emotion that uh, can go unchecked. So procrastination, a lot of people don't think of that as an emotion. They'll think of it as doing nothing. Even that is, it's an emotion. So let's look at what makes it hard to regulate your mood. And again, I'm pulling from the Dialectical Behavior Therapy Skills Training Manual. And if you want to read along, you can look at the handouts on page 211 from that book. Let's look at the different factors that make it hard to regulate your mood. Number one is biology. This is obvious, isn't it? We can all think of a million different ways that your biology can impact your mood. So everything from how well did you sleep last night to are you PMSing or are you hungry or do you have a family predisposition towards anxiety or depression or any of those vulnerabilities. Biology can make it hard to regulate your emotions. This is why it's so important to check in with the doctor and have regular screenings. We know that there are a lot of health conditions that can make it hard to regulate your mood. Thyroid problems, diabetes, even obesity and diet can impact your mood. So just to acknowledge that in terms of how we can take care of ourselves and protect ourselves and maintain a good mood, biology is going to be really important there. Number two on our list of what makes it hard to regulate your emotions is lack of skill. You just don't even know what to do to regulate your emotions. This is usually why people come to therapy in the first place. They're They're looking for that expert advice, you know, what does the research say typically works for people in a situation like mine? That's where you can learn 
a skill. And as you've been listening to the podcast, all we do on the show is translate therapy concepts into everyday self-care actions that you can do to take care of yourself. So keep listening and that's what we'll be talking about are all the different little skills that you can incorporate in your life to take care of yourself. One of them, as we know, just reading this self-care checklist is knowing what you can do to take care of yourself is a skill. Number three, what makes it hard to regulate your emotions? This is a big one. Reinforcement of emotional behavior. So this is where we look at the cultural context, we look at the environment, and how the environment rewards or punishes emotional behavior. Let's think about that. We talked before about procrastination as um, you know a form of unchecked emotion. So is workaholism, working around the clock, burning the midnight oil, and we think about reinforcement of emotional behavior. A lot of times work addiction is rewarded. People might even get salary increases or accolades from their peers or shout outs. That behavior, even if it's driven by anxiety, uh, workaholism gets rewarded in a lot of contexts. You can think of other emotional behavior, uh, like what if someone is always in crisis and somebody always comes in to rescue that person. That person might not learn how to take care of themselves if someone always swoops in and does it for them. So when you think of emotions that are difficult for you to manage, think about how does my environment either help me or hurt me in terms of learning the skills that I need to practice to take really good care of myself. So that's something to think about. What else makes it hard to regulate your mood? DBT says straight up moodiness. DBT says that just the fact that you're in a bad mood at all makes it really hard to even want to put in the effort that it would take to regulate your emotions. This is where you get stuck in a, in a spiral um, and it can just kind of feed on itself. So I don't want to, I don't feel like it. It can feel kind of like an adult tantrum sometimes when we're in that space, but it, it happens to the best of us. And right next door neighbor to that, what else can make it hard to regulate your emotions is emotional overload. Basically, you just reach a breaking point. This is that old saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. You might be Mother Teresa or the best intentioned person in the whole wide world. And yet, if you reach your limit, you're going to get overloaded, overwhelmed. Um, and this feeling might even interact with some of those other obstacles that we talked about before in terms of biology or lack of skill. You just reach a breaking point and you don't know what to do. The last thing on our checklist that we want to look out for that can make it hard to regulate your emotions 
are emotion myths. So these are mistaken beliefs or misunderstandings that emotions are bad or weak and should be avoided. Um, I think that's quite common actually culturally for people to even think of emotions as good or bad, don't we? We think of certain feelings as just being negative, like sadness and anxiety and anger. A lot of people associate those as bad feelings and that you should do everything you can to avoid those feelings. Other examples of emotion myths could include myths that, that extreme emotions are necessary to getting things done. We talked about that procrastination uh, feeling before. Some people always do it the same way, and so they might put off a big important test or paper or project until the last minute, and uh, they always get it done. And if you're not careful, you might think, oh, well, procrastination is part of my process and I have to do it that way. Even if it ends up meaning sleepless nights and not feeling great about yourself or poor quality work, if you're not careful, you could convince yourself uh, that that was true. So when we look at the ways that misunderstandings about emotions can get in the way of regulating our mood, we have to look at what are those common misunderstandings. And just to clear up some of those myths, it's a good time to remember that emotions are an important part of the body's survival reflex. So we have to keep in mind that emotions serve three very important functions. Number one, they give you important information about how you're doing, how your body's doing, whether you're hungry, whether you're tired, whether you're happy, whether you're pleased or dissatisfied. Emotions give you that data. They help you sense that. And that is part of the survival reflex. Number two, emotions communicate your needs to other people. So you might be tempted to say, I'm not mad. And yet your emotion is going to communicate how you're feeling right all over your face, whether you like it or not. So again, we may as well know what we're communicating to other people. And lastly, emotions motivate behavior. In fact, that's the only way we get anything done. Our motivations um, are are fueled by emotion. So the reason why you might run into a burning building uh, to get someone out of there is because you have love for that family member. Uh, So you're compelled to do it. So to clear up some of those myths, we, we understand that emotions are very, very important and they help us get things done. And it is a skill to regulate your emotions. And there are a lot of different ways to do that. You can scroll through the podcast and uh, learn more about bio mood hacks and guided relaxation and other things that you can do to set up 
your self-care for success. The first thing I want you to do as you reflect on what we learned today is think about for yourself, what are the things that get in the way of good mood management and self-care? So take a moment after the podcast is over, hit pause and give yourself about five minutes and just journal about any of these things that get in the way of regulating your mood and ask yourself, what are the biological factors that make it harder for me to regulate my mood? What are the skills that I could learn to help me have the mood I want to have? What are the reinforcements from my environment or the people around me that either help my mood feel better or worse? How can I identify and catch moodiness when it happens? And how can I get myself out of it? How do I catch emotional overload and prevent it from happening? And then again, what are my own misconceptions about emotions and how they might serve me? Think about those questions for yourself and take a few moments to just think about what it would take for you in your life to buffer and protect better self-care. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation today. Remember, this is not therapy. This is real life. Thank you for listening and enjoy your self-care. Did you know that Therapy for Real Life offers burnout prevention hackathons for the workplace? I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh-Cedar, and I'm happy to announce that Therapy for Real Life now comes to your workplace to offer therapy concepts adapted into self-care strategies that you can use on the job. As you know, Therapy for Real Life is a Bay Area-based burnout prevention counseling program. But now you don't have to participate in the therapy programs to learn what happens in therapy. If you're a listener of the Therapy for Real Life podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate of teaching people the strategies that work for them to manage stress, burnout, anxiety, and depression in their lives. Not everyone can make it to therapy. Managers and HR professionals are well aware that stress is at an all-time high in the workplace. Wouldn't you like to equip your staff with self-care strategies to help them manage stress on the job? Therapy for Real Life's burnout prevention hackathons give staff a fun and interactive way to learn research-backed self-care strategies on the job. As your facilitator, I will come in and present relaxation strategies, cognitive coping exercises, and examples of mindfulness that your staff can pick from and practice in the workshop to see what works best for them. Teach your staff and coworkers not only ways to take care of themselves on the job, but create that culture of self-care and teamwork together. Find out more about hosting a burnout prevention hackathon at your workplace 
by going to therapyforreallife.com and selecting the workshops page or emailing me directly at therapy at annacedar.com. That's therapy at A-N-N-A-C-E-D-A-R.com. I look forward to being in touch. Have a great day. Thank you.